0: Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We are in a three-week Life Together series where we'll learn how we give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus and His mission. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. My name is Brian. Good to gather with you. Hey, most years we take some time to pause and reset. We we just reset, we make sure we're all on the same page as far as what we're pursuing as a church family. And one of the best times to do that is the fall or the start of the school year because it naturally feels like a new beginning. Students and teachers, I'm sorry, I just reminded you it's the start of a school year. But if you're a a regular attender or member, it's always good to be reminded of what we are called to and what we're pursuing as a church. And if you're a guest here today, thanks for joining us. I'm thankful you're here with us so you can make an informed decision about joining us on a regular basis and what you're joining. I want to remind us all that in 2019, we went through a pretty major process of clearly naming our mission, vision, strategy, and values. I want to invite you to take the card that you found on your seat this morning. And on one side of that card, you can find those mission, vision, values, and strategy. And just to cover that quickly, our our mission is growing disciples who make disciples. This is taken directly from Matthew 28. And it's the mission of every local church, or it should be the mission of every church, to make disciples. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all nations. I love that the Fowlers are here today. Of all nations. That's our mission. Now, a vision, if you go under that, a vision is unique to each church. And a vision is a picture of a preferred future. It's what compels us. It's what gets us up in the morning. And our vision is to see people of every generation. We wanted to state that intentionally. We care about students. We care about kids. We care about adults. It is to see people of every generation give themselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. And we'll use whatever resources we have to to reach that vision values you can see those are core convictions behind everything we do every decision we make every ministry we have we hope you see those values played out and then the strategy is how strategy answers how are you going to accomplish that and if you've spent any amount of time with us we've answered that with two words life together You've heard that again and again. And in 2019, what we said is we pursue life together with Jesus, one another, and our community and world. And all those are true. And we hope all of those continue to happen, but they don't answer, how are we going to give ourselves fully? And so what we wanted to do for the next three weeks is talk about life together In a Life Together series where we're learning how to give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. To answer that question, you can see the words under Life Together on the front side of that sheet. Do you see them? It says, in community, in formation, on mission. That's our strategy. That's how we're going to give ourselves fully. And if you turn that card over for just a moment, and we'll come back to it later in the day, but I I just wanted to. Allow you to see this for the first time. It's a picture of our strategy at Cherry Hills for what we mean by giving yourself fully to the way of Jesus and His mission. Let me say a couple things as you put eyes on that for the first time. Here's the first thing I want to say to you. Don't panic. Don't panic and don't think you need to do every single thing on that card to give yourself fully to the way of Jesus. Giving yourself fully, is, it's an intentionality. It is a leaned-in attitude. It is a posture that we are taking to give ourselves. Jesus invites us into life together with him. And he invites us into life together with one another. And these are some of the areas that you can pursue that. Listen, in the past couple years, we've been in the tailspin of change in our culture, but some things are timeless and biblical. Our need for community, our need to grow spiritually in formation, the need to live our lives on mission, they are timeless, they are biblical. So what we're asking you, and we'll ask you this each week, simply ask God where he's asking you to take the next step. Lean into that, step into that, commit your focus to that, for this next season? Do you need community? Then look at our opportunities for community. Do you need to grow your roots deeper in biblical understanding? Then look at formation. Do you need to give your life away? You're just feeling called to give your life away in serving and missional living. Then look at mission. We trust the Lord is gonna lead you to what your next step is. But the reason we created this guide is we get asked all the time, The people at the Connect Center get asked all the time, what's my next step? What do you have for me? What opportunities are there for me to grow in in my faith? And this is our attempt to be as clear as we can. There may be other ways you can do these things. Many of you are doing things that aren't even listed on this sheet. You have permission to do that. Totally legal. Keep doing it. But it's our responsibility as a church to provide opportunities to grow. And we want to be as clear as we can with what those are. So, for the next three weeks, we're going to walk through and provide a biblical theology for each of those areas. What does it mean to pursue life together in community, in formation, and on mission? And today we begin by talking about life together in community. And to do that, I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Acts, it's in the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 2. It's immediately after the Gospels. If you don't have a Bible with you or a digital device that you're reading on, we have black Bibles in the seat rack in front of you. Acts chapter 2 can be found on page 884 of those Bibles. 884. And if you don't have a Bible, please take a copy of God's Word home. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So we're going to walk through this text. Acts 2 one through 47 in just a minute. But first I want to name the cultural moment we find ourselves in and why community is so important today. A new report by Harvard suggests that 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children feel serious loneliness. In addition, an estimated 63% of young people reported experiencing substantial symptoms of anxiety and depression. Researchers at Duke found that 25% of all Americans said they had no one to talk to about important matters. One recent survey indicated that 90% of the male population in America lacks one true friend. The Surgeon General of the United States declared loneliness a national health epidemic. He stated, the problem is when loneliness persists for a long period of time. And when it's chronic, then we enter into a chronic stress state and that is what is dramatically consequential impacts on our health. Welcome to Sherry Hills. Glad you're here this morning to lift you up. But it's even more, Gallup polls have taken surveys and come to the conclusion that Americans are among the loneliest people in the world. If you're following in your notes, loneliness is an epidemic in our culture. It's an epidemic and we we can't, church, we can't just think it describes people out there. Right? There there is widespread loneliness in the church. In the winter of 2020, and granted that was during COVID, one in six people, 16% of people who attend church regularly said they're lonely all the time. If you're like me, you hear those words and you wonder how they can be true. We live around a lot of people in our neighborhoods, we work with a lot of people. We attend sporting events with a lot of people. We go to the gym with a lot of people. We go, to the, we go to school with a lot of people. We're friends on social media with a lot of people. So why are we some of the loneliest people on the planet? If you're following in your notes, it's because connectivity does not equal connection. Connectivity does not equal life together in community. We're acquainted with many people, but we're truly known by few. In our culture, connectivity is way up, connection, and community is way down. And in the midst of that, I have good news for us today, because Jesus invites us into a better way of living. It's life together in community, and he modeled this for us He modeled this for us throughout the gospel accounts of his life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Thirteen times in the gospels, he invites people to follow him. He calls these followers to join him and spend time with him, to learn from him how to live the way he lives. And here's what we need to know about the invitation to follow Jesus. This is so important, friends. If you're following in your notes, Jesus lived in community And the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to join his community. It's an invitation to join his community. John Tyson, a pastor in New York City, said this. You can see this on the screen. When Jesus asks us to follow him, he is offering us a relationship with himself in which we will be forgiven of our sins, receive a new heart and spirit that longs to obey him and know him intimately. We are then welcomed into his kingdom, his people and his family. But this is a choice which requires leaving behind our personal autonomy and preference-based living so we can enter into an everlasting committed relationship with God and his people. Jesus never intended for people to follow him in isolation. I've heard some people say, I've heard this before, well, community is good for others, but my faith is a private thing. And I just want to humbly say to you today, if that's what you believe, then you have an unbiblical understanding of faith. Because if you're following in your notes, faith is personal, but it's never private. It's never private. Following Jesus means we are invited to join his community of followers. And I don't know if you've noticed this. Maybe this is brand new information for you today. Being part of a community is difficult because it involves people. It's just, it's hard. And those people like different things, right? They don't think the way I do. They think differently than us. They belong to different political parties than us. Some of them even like pineapple on pizza. Some of them ruin a perfectly good cup of coffee by adding cream and sugar. We're all different. If you've ever studied who Jesus invited to follow him, there was a diversity of backgrounds and occupations represented. And I believe Jesus did that on purpose. Right? Simon Peter, James, John, Andrew, they were all fishermen. Matthew was a tax collector who was on the payroll of Rome and one of the most hated people among the Jews. He was an enemy. And then you had Simon the Zealot, who was part of a movement that advocated throwing off Roman rule by any means necessary, including violence. Additionally, we know that more people traveled with Jesus than just the 12 disciples, influential women in Jesus' ministry, like Mary Magdalene, Susanna, and Joanna. If you're following in your notes, what what these accounts show us is that Jesus intentionally invited people with diverse backgrounds. He did that intentionally. So take all those diverse backgrounds and I'm sure there were some great dinner conversations. Right, what are the two rules, right? Help me out here. The number one rule of dinner parties is don't talk about and don't talk about. Jesus pulls a seat up to the table and says, let's talk. Let's talk. We all think differently. Let's talk. I I think we overlook. Like, I think in my mind, sometimes I just think this group that followed Jesus around was like these chummy college buddies that had a great time together. But can we begin to imagine the tension and the disagreements that existed within the group? These first followers of Jesus were at different stages of maturity, different ages, they were across the socio-political spectrum, different races, different genders, they didn't agree on everything. This was true 2,000 years ago, and it's still true today, and it's the way Jesus designed it. If you're following your notes, there was diversity with a common mission, to mature into people who lived the way of Jesus and extend that invitation to others. Common mission, right? To go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them to to obey every command. Common mission. To quote John Tyson again, you can see this on the screen. He says, God brings people together from many different backgrounds and renames them the people of God. He then gives them a shared purpose in the world To build his kingdom. And that's what's going on in the book of Acts. As we begin the book of Acts, which immediately follows the four gospels, we get to the book of Acts. Jesus has just died and risen from the dead. It's now 40 days after Easter. And Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. And before he does that, he tells his followers there were about 120 of them. He tells them in Acts 1.8, you can see this on the screen. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what Jesus is telling this group of people is, listen, remember that command I gave you to go and make disciples of all nations? Yeah, don't try doing that on your own. Don't, don't try doing that on your own. Wait for the Holy Spirit that I'm going to send. And then we're told in Acts 1.9 that Jesus ascends to the right hand of God. He was taken up before their eyes. And for the next 10 days, that was 40 days after Easter, 10 days, for 10 days, Jesus' followers hide in a house for fear that the same thing that happened to Jesus would happen to them, that they'll be killed. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we read this. You can see this on the screen. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And then if you jump to verse nine in your Bibles, we're told that this Holy Spirit is given to people from all over the known world at the time. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And I want to put a map on the screen because visuals sometimes help us. I love this map because it shows us the expansion of the gospel in one day at Pentecost. The church grew from 120 people to 3,120 people. And I show that to remind us the diversity that the church is made up of, diversity with a common mission. I was listening to a teaching on this passage and the teacher asked this one question. Man, it is one of those questions that stops you in your tracks. He said this. If you were in a church where power and fire and the Holy Spirit was poured out, what would you do? What would you do? The early church, that we're talking about in Acts 2, they took the power of Pentecost and they formed small communities of Jesus deeply committed to one another and to practice his teachings. The early church channeled the power of Pentecost into small communities who tangibly lived the way of Jesus and they loved one another. So as a church here in Springfield, Illinois, 2,000 years later, We are praying for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on our church and in our city. We are contending for a move of God. And as that happens, we want people to get connected and commit themselves to life together in community, tangibly living the way of Jesus and loving one another. If you're following in your notes, we wanna commit ourselves to life together in community. We're praying for a move of the Spirit. And we want to commit ourselves to life together in community. Now, let's look at the characteristics of this community. We know how they formed. So let's look at the characteristics. It's found in Acts 2, 42 to 47. And then I'm going to pull out three necessities for life together in community that we see in this early church and that we need today. So let's read this together in the gray box on your notes or on the screen. It's a long passage of scripture, but it is one, it is beautiful. It's a wonderful piece of scripture. So let's read this together, full voice, church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The first necessity for life together in community, we see in this early church, we need it today. If you're following your notes, it's devotion. It's devotion. The the word in our Bibles that says devoted would be better translated continually devoting. It's a present tense verb. Their devotion was an ongoing commitment to one another. And I believe this is one of the first words used to describe this community because devotion and commitment are the foundation of biblical community. Devotion to God, devotion to one another. And you just need to know this. Devoting yourself to a local church and group of people is countercultural today. Any and all forms of community that require any level of commitment are decreasing, right? Church attendance is on the decline, and that gets a lot of press, but it's not just the church. We live in a culture that is scared of commitment, and any organization asking for commitment is seeing a decline in participation. Mark Sayers, a pastor in Australia, says this, We fear commitment and don't want to be bound, preferring instead to travel relationally light. Thus we have more freedom, but the cost is a sense of lostness, isolation, and an absence of meaning. We need community. We are created for community. John Ortberg, a pastor in California, said this, I have never known anyone who was isolated, lonely, unconnected, and had no deep relationships, yet had a meaningful and joy-filled life, yet that is how many of us have chosen to live. In addition to experiencing loneliness due to a lack of community, growing in our faith requires others, right? It's why we said it's not a private thing. You cannot grow into spiritual maturity by yourself. I'm not talking about salvation, but if you want to grow into maturity, if you want to live the life that Christ wants for you, you cannot do it alone. Our mission, remember it is growing disciples who make disciples. Our vision is to see every generation giving themselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission. We can't do either of those alone. The first necessity of life together in community is devotion and commitment devotion and commitment. The second necessity that we see in Acts 2, if you're following in your notes, their community was practice-based. It was practice-based. Spiritual practices, you've heard that word around here, they're habits that help us order our lives to intentionally spend time with Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to live the way of Jesus. And I've been convicted lately. This is a deep conviction of mine that the Lord has been impressing on me lately. The future of the church is going to be based in practices. Gathering corporately like this weekly is important, but engaging in spiritual practices by ourselves and with smaller communities is vital. It's just as important. Don't hear what I'm not saying, Spiritual practices don't save us. They don't make God love us more. We are saved by God's free gift of grace when we place our trust in what Jesus accomplished on the cross for us. Remember, we just spent four weeks talking about one specific practice, Sabbath. Practicing Sabbath doesn't make God love us more, but it allows us to trust him and be reminded of our identity. These spiritual practices are not for God's benefit, they're for our benefit. And the reason I say they were practice based is we see in our text this community they practiced studying and teaching the Word of God, fellowship, communion, and prayer in verse 42. They practiced generosity and concern for those who were hurting, verse 45. They practiced corporate worship and hospitality as they met in small gatherings and homes, verse 46, and they practiced worship and evangelism in verse 47. They developed a rhythm in their lives that was centered around practices, and these practices were part of life together in community. And let me say this. I've I thought about this this week, and I think the the Lord just wants me to encourage us this morning in this. I, I wanna say this about the practice of gathering corporately before moving on to the third necessity of life together in community. If you're joining us online, thank you for joining us. I'm so grateful to our creative team and our tech teams that make services available each week. And I understand there are some people watching right now You are watching us right now and you have medical issues and it's in your best interest and maybe your only option to join us online. Or you're traveling, you're on vacation and you can still be committed and connected to us while you're traveling. I'm grateful for that. But I also know there are a number of people watching right now and you're watching online because it's easier and it doesn't require devotion and commitment. And I wanna challenge you and I wanna invite you to make it a point to gather with us in person next week. Circle it on your calendar. Make a commitment right now because there's something powerful that happens when we gather together in person to sing, to pray, to hear God's word. And there's a blessing that happens in conversations before and after services. And listen, I just wanna say this. If you're not joining us in person because it's more comfortable to stay at home, you're missing out. And if you have kids, your kids are missing out. Will you commit to the practice of gathering together for corporate worship? It's vital. We, we need you. We need you. This early church was devoted and committed, and they were practice-based. And the third and final necessity in this description of the early church in Acts 2, if you're following in your notes, is vulnerability. Vulnerability. So the third necessity I wanna pull out. Where do I get that? I get it from verse 46. If you're looking at verse 46 in your Bibles or on the screen, it says, every day they committed, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Maybe you wanna circle the word sincere in your Bibles or on your notes. The word sincere means without Wax. Without wax. In ancient days, if something was dented or broken or it had a gash in it, they used to fill the damaged area with wax and they would would cover over the wax with paint and they would sell the item as though it were undamaged. So if you went to the marketplace, you might see a sign that said sincere, sincere would have been the Latin word, meaning that it was the real thing. This was the real thing as opposed to the false thing. And it's fascinating that the description of this community is that they were sincere, without wax, allowing people to see the real them rather than a false self. And I just wonder if sincerity with one another was one of the main reasons the Lord added to their number daily. I mean, I think people saw the signs and wonders that were being done. They were told about the good news of Jesus. But I just wonder if people saw something different about this community. Today, we don't use the word sincere as much as vulnerability. So if you're following in your notes, vulnerability is the willingness to be seen. Which is pretty appropriate considering the example of covering brokenness with wax. Wax. A researcher who has spent years working to uncover what it is that allows people to find a strong sense of belonging and connection asked this question. What do people with fulfilling relationships have in common? Is there something they have in common? And after years of research and thousands of interviews, her finding came down to one common variable, vulnerability. They were willing to be seen. They were willing to be real. Now, guys, I know you're sitting there and you're like, the first two were all right. I'm out on this one. I'm out. This vulnerability thing, I'm out. And I think it's because we think vulnerability is a weakness, right? It's true that vulnerability can hurt, but it's not a weakness. Rather, something powerful happens when we practice vulnerability within a group of safe people. Man, I remember sitting in our living room with our life group. And these lies were running through your mind. I don't know if you've ever found yourself here. You're in a group of people and you're about to say something and these lies are going through your mind. If I say this, if I reveal this, if they only knew the real me, if they knew I wasn't perfect, if they knew I messed up in my parenting, if I tell them how I blew it this week, they're not gonna wanna be around me anymore but it was a safe group of people. I risked it. And you know what I learned? It's one of the most important things I've learned over the past couple years. On the other side of vulnerability, I was loved even more. I was loved even more by these people. And I learned that when we are willing to be seen, the wax melts away and there is beauty found in that vulnerability that is attractive to others. I long for this in all of our groups here at Cherry Hills. I long for that, the necessity of vulnerability. And that's why groups that are smaller in size than this room are vital to our spiritual growth. Right, we, we wanna be vulnerable in this room as we gather here, but it is tough to know people and be known in a room this size. And this is where our guide to giving yourself fully to the way of Jesus and his mission comes in. I wanna invite you to take that back out and look at that guide one more time. You might have community outside of our church family that again, that's perfectly legal, keep doing it. But if you need some ideas on how to get involved in community, we have some opportunities for you because as a church, part of our responsibility is to offer opportunities. And this might be one other person. It might be with five people. It might be with 10 people, but here's some opportunities. Jenny already mentioned this. Right after this service, if you're newer here, we have Discover down the hall. If you're here and you have not met many new people because it can be difficult to meet people, I wanna invite you to go down there right after this. You will learn more about our church, meet some of the staff and meet new people and hear how you can get involved. It's so important to connect. So important. Discover right after this, if you're ready to commit and say, I'm all in, I wanna partner with Cherry Hills to make disciples Then I wanna invite you to our next membership class, September 25th, you can write that down. September 25th, in there, you will meet people who want to commit and walk alongside you in your spiritual growth. It's a way that you can find community. And then finally, i want to let you know about our life groups and care groups. Life groups are groups of about eight to 14 people that gather on a regular basis to care for each other, learn together, most of them are message-based. They study God's word and pray for each other. Now listen, we hope learning takes place in those groups. We hope spiritual formation takes place in those groups. We hope mission takes place in those groups. But the highest priority in those groups is that connection takes place. It's our highest priority. And this year, we launched care groups, which are groups that provide community for those dealing with issues like the loss of a loved one, divorce, anxiety, and depression. So if you're at a place in your spiritual formation where you believe that what you need right now is to get together with others for life and community. I'm gonna encourage you to sign up today. In fact, I'm gonna put a slide on the screen right now. This doesn't commit you to anything, but if you are feeling nudged to take that next step, the Holy Spirit is prompting you or putting on your mind, I need community. Text groups right now. Text groups to 217-546-4818. You'll receive a link to go to our sign-up page, or you can go on our website, and the groups page is now live for the fall. But don't dismiss that prompting. I think the Lord speaks to us more than we even know he does. Don't dismiss that prompting. You can also go out to the lobby after the services and get signed up for a group. There will be people at the Connect Center to answer questions and help you with the technology of that. We're trying to make this as easy as possible. And in addition to joining a group, you'll have options under the formation and mission, and you can get get signed up for the institute classes that you'll hear a lot more about next week or Bible studies this fall. But we wanna be a people who give ourselves fully to the way of Jesus and his mission by pursuing life together in community. So I just wanna leave us with uh, the question this morning, if you're following in your notes, am I pursuing life together in community? Am I pursuing that or do I need to pursue that? And I'm gonna trust the Lord's gonna answer that for you and direct your steps. Would you pray with me? God, thank you that you never intended us to live life in isolation. You never intended us to follow you in isolation. When you revealed yourself to us, Jesus, you invited us to follow you and join your community. And we are so grateful for that. We are grateful that you have left us the church with all of its problems, all of its diversity, all of its disagreements, all of its tensions. Thank you for the church that has a common mission to make disciples. So God, we are a grateful people. Thanks for inviting us in. God, thanks that we're part of your family. We're grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website or find us on Facebook. Have a great day.